it's been a kind of challenge to know what to talk about today. And the, the, the reason for that is that when you spend time with God, there's so much he talks to you about. <laughs> and you don't often know how much of it's for you and how much of it you're meant to bring. And so it, it's a challenge. So I turned up this morning and I had four different options. So let's hope the Holy Spirit is pointing me in the direction of the right one here. And so I've got a question which I want to ask all of you. It's a serious question, and it's a really important one. What does your Jesus look like? What does he look like? Because we all have a picture of Jesus. And the picture we have of Jesus often determines the relationship we have with Jesus. And it forms that relationship. So if our picture of Jesus is off or outdated or faulty, it will reflect itself in our relationship with him. And we, we do, don't we? We all carry around this mental picture of Jesus. In fact, we have a picture up there every week when I'm talking to remind us what this thing is all about. That faith life is actually about Jesus. It's not about faith life. It's not about Mark and Cheryl. It's not about Sarah leading worship or whoever else leads worship. It's about Jesus. And we have in life one message. And that message is Jesus. And sometimes that gets lost. It gets lost in all the, the good things that we do that replace Jesus. Because that's, that's, that's more of a problem than the bad things. Because we kind of go to church and we're nice people, the bad things aren't necessarily what replace Jesus. It's all the other stuff of life that replaces Jesus. But the reality is, our life is about Jesus. It's about him at the center. Knowing him. You see, the creator of the universe has invited us into this relationship where we get to know him. And he gave us the Holy Spirit so we could know him. And we've got this like offer for the entirety of our lives on the table to know Jesus and because we don't know him, and because he gets crowded out, we never take hold of the offer. So we, we wander through life trying to do it as best we can, and often we miss his best that he has. And that's the challenge. So I want to talk to you about Jesus. Not Jesus as he appeared sometimes in the Old Testament. Not Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, patting the children on the head. I want to talk to you about Jesus as he is now. Because that's the Jesus we're going to meet. We're not going to meet the Jesus 
who was despised, who was hated, who was kicked, who was beaten, who was crucified, who had thorns six inch long beaten into his skull. We're not going to meet that Jesus. We're not going to even meet the Jesus who rose from the dead and was cooking fish for his disciples. We're going to meet the Jesus who is risen, conquering Lord, whose name is above all names. He was King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's who we're going to meet. He's the one that's coming for us. And he's coming soon for us. And sometimes we, we, we live like he's never coming, but he's coming soon. And, and if anything, the last two years should be a wake-up call that he's coming sooner than maybe we expected. Maybe than we kind of tuned our life to. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So he came and he's gone back to the Father. He's still the same Jesus, but he's now in a different place. And that's our problem because we can't kind of book a flight, can we, to fly into Tel Aviv and get a bus to Jerusalem and go, hey, Jesus, I've come to see you. We can't do that. So instead, he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could know him and that the Holy Spirit would take of what is his and show it to us. And here's the, here's the thing. Jesus said to us, if you abide in me and you follow what I say, then the Father and I will come and show ourselves to you. We'll manifest ourselves to us. So the manifest presence of God in our, in our rooms as we pray, in our times together as we worship, that's something we should take hold of. That, that that's God's desire. But it's for those who abide with him and follow his word. It's not for everybody. There's something we can do to enter in to meet this Jesus. But in entering in, sometimes the biggest blockage we have is that we're trying to meet Jesus as he was instead of what he as he now is. And so, you see, the resurrection, that's a central fact of New Testament Christianity. Not the crucifixion, the resurrection. Paul says that you can believe in the crucifixion, but if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, our faith is in vain because death wasn't conquered. So the, the, the resurrection is the central point of where we live from. And this is what Paul said, that just, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is useless and empty. That's quite strong, isn't it? But he is risen. So that's good. He's risen. That means he's alive. That means you can know him. You can have relationship with him because he's real. And he's desiring that relationship the challenge is, is, how much do we hunger and desire that relationship too? We are the governors of that relationship, not him. It, it, it's our hearts that determine the re relationship we have with him. And, and some of us are, are kind of rediscovering that. Some of us are growing in it. Some of us are thinking, man, I need to catch up because I've missed this for years. And now's the time. Now's the time. But 
many of us still in our minds inhabit this world where Jesus is still this kind of Galilean reject who kind of wandered around and he, and he told a few nice stories that sometimes we understand them. Only if Sarah explains them to us, you know, we understand them then. Uh, or Joyce tells us what the prodigal son was really about. By the way, I, we, 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 as you know, I was, I was ill that week that Joyce preached. But you really need to take on board what she said and respond. Not just file it away like that was three weeks ago. You need to respond. You need to do something with it. Because it's an important word. And then, you know, we got this Jesus and he did a few miracles, which, you know, of course he did because he was Jesus, wasn't he? And we've got no expectation of that really happening, although we kind of like it. And we know that because we go to a church called Faith Life, it's good to say that we've got an expectation of miracles happening. And, and we've seen them, but we need to see more. We, we need to not be comfortable with where we've got to. Your faith's not a comfortable faith, it's an uncomfortable one. If it's lived for Jesus. You know, part of the problem we've encountered is that a lot of people's picture of Jesus is he's forever stuck at the cross. He's forever dying. And he never seems to get off the cross and become the risen Lord. But that's where the power is. That's where the relationship is. And I think that the problem isn't so much that we talk about the cross so much because I don't think we do in the church now, in the church generally. I think the problem is he's comfortable as long as he's on the cross because he's dead and not alive or he's dying and not alive. And the problem is that a, a living Jesus, as he now is, gives us a problem because he asks the question, what are you going to do with me? How are you going to respond? Do you really want this relationship with me that I'm offering you and I died for, to give you? Is that what, what we're about? So it's kind of comfortable to leave him on the cross. But he's not. He's real. And then, of course, we, we have other people who don't understand the weight of historical evidence who would rather believe Jesus is just dead and gone. And, and they've never, never realized that there's just so much overwhelming evidence for the resurrection of Jesus that if you actually studied it, instead of just listening to all this stuff that you read in the newspapers, if you actually studied it, you couldn't help but believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And, but we'd rather leave him in the grave, wouldn't we? Because when we leave him in the grave, he's not a challenge to how we want to live. And, and we, we live like that, leaving him in the grave, until sometimes maybe we run out of time and we're in our grave. And that's a problem, isn't it? You see, Jesus isn't in a grave. He's alive. And he's real. So what's he like? Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 1.
This is the Jesus that you're going to meet if you believe in him. Because this Jesus coming back and meeting Jesus is only good news for those who believe in him and put the trust in him and follow him. It's bad news if you don't. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 18. And this is Paul, and he's praying for this church in a place called Ephesus that they might have a bit of a transformation of their heart. This is what he's saying, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his, the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and this is where Jesus is right now, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. That's where Jesus is. That's where he's coming back from. That's where he is right now. He's seated at God's right hand. What does it mean to be seated at God's right hand? It means you're the one who administers the authority of heaven. You're the one. Jesus is the one administering the authority of heaven. And, and, and that's why it says that he's, he's put seated him, his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which to come. He's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Now, now just let that register. Let it register that the one who is above all in all, above every principality, every power, everything on this earth, is asking you, how much do you want to know me? And yet all those things that he is way above, we fill our lives with till we don't see him and we don't know him. And it's tragic, isn't it? The enemy has done a really good job of filling our lives with good stuff that pushed Jesus out of our lives. Let's see what Jesus is like, what he looks like. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. You might think, well, why are we going back to Isaiah? Well, I'll explain that in a minute. So Isaiah chapter 6, I'll begin at verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Now, don't get this wrong. This isn't God the Father. How do I know that? Because... John tells us in chapter 12, verse 41, this is Jesus. Now, how does John know that? Because remember, John gets to see Jesus in heaven. And he comes and he writes, this is Jesus. This, thing that, this person that Isaiah was talking about is Jesus. 
I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I believe that one of the biggest things that is holding back a move of God in this land is we have forgotten what it is to know the fear of God. And that's a real challenge for us. Why is that? Because we have spent so long for the last 20 years 30 years, trying to make church comfortable so people will come. And in doing so, we've understood how much God loves us. Now, here's the point. The love of God wasn't ever in question. We've been answering a question that never existed. Because... The love of God cannot ever be called into question because Jesus came and he died because he loves you. God himself was nailed to a cross, brutalized, rejected, hated because God loves you. The love of God was never in question. It was our believing did God love us that was in question. And now we spent ages fixing that and telling, telling ourselves how amazing we are because by telling ourselves how amazing we are, we think somehow we can get a hold on God loving us. That doesn't help you love God. It helps you love you. Jesus nailed to a cross helps you love God. Seeing Jesus is in our his helps you love God. But the question now is, from two, three years ago, the season has changed. The question no longer is, in, in this world of jaded Christians who are just tired, the question isn't, does God love you? That was settled for eternity 2,000 years ago. The question now in this season change is, do you love God? Do you really love God? Do you really love Jesus? That's the question. You see, this Jesus that we're asked to love doesn't look like he did in the Gospels. And if we understood what he looked like and who he is, it'd be a lot easier for us to have confidence and joy in him. So let's just quickly go to Revelation chapter 19. This is what Jesus looks like. See, Jesus isn't going back onto a cross. 
He's never, ever again going to let mankind do to, them what, do to him what they did. That's done. As a result of that, this is what's going to happen. Revelation 19. Verse 11. This is John again. It's good, isn't he, John? Knew what it was to see Jesus. Remember when Jesus promised, if you abide with me and my words abide in you, I'll show myself to you? Open promise. John took him up on it. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness... He judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns. And he's a name written that no one knows except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and that, with that he will strike and judge the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fearness of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Jesus. Yeah. That's the Jesus that's coming for you. That's the Jesus who says, I want you to know me. That's the Jesus, the warrior, king, who will destroy every enemy, will vindicate every wrong that was ever done to you, will right everything that was wrongs. There will be justice. There will be truth. But there will be life for those who know him. That's the Jesus we believe. That's the Jesus we follow. When we sing Yeshua, that's the beautiful Jesus that we are singing to. My beloved. That's who he is. He's not a weak Jesus. He's so far beyond anything we would call greatness and success that in, in comparison, they're nothing. That's Yeshua. And so, when Jesus had risen, when he went to heaven, if you remember, they, the disciples encountered two men in robes, angels. And this is what they said. Why do you stand looking into heavens? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come again in the same way you saw him go into heaven. How is he coming again? He's coming in the sky for everybody on earth to see him. He's coming again and he's coming back the way he went. He's coming back in glory. He's coming back in victory and he's coming for you. That should get you excited. He's coming for you. You know... Some of us 
got bullied at school, didn't we? Some of us get bullied in the workplace. Some of us get bullied in all sorts of places. How would it be to have the biggest dad on planet Earth turn up in the playground and sort the bullies out? Well, Jesus is bigger than the biggest dad. And he's got a sword coming out of his mouth that's designed for the bullies. There will be justice. There will be vindication. So where's Jesus now? Well, we know he ascended into the heavens. But when he ascended into the heavens, he took some people with him. You know, I sometimes get this question, what about all the people that died before Jesus came? Well, we, we, we know from Luke chapter 16 that there was this place called Abraham's bosom where people uh, lived and stayed until Jesus won the final victory on the cross. And then because sin was paid for and their sin was paid for, he went and got them and said, now heaven's open, come with me. So he takes them up to heaven. So heaven's not empty. It's not full of cherubim and seraphim and, and, and things flying around and angels. There's people there as well. Everybody who got, who's gone before, before Jesus and everybody who's believed in Jesus and died since then because we know that in a twinkling of the eye as we die, we, we just leave our bodies and we're with the Saviour. We're with Jesus. So Jesus, this, this Jesus on his white horse, the warrior king, is surrounded by people who love him. And here's a cool thing. Despite the fact he's surrounded by people who love him, angels who were pouring out like the, the, the greatest worship songs in existence, despite all that, he's still interested in you. And he's going... I've got all this he's got on and I love it. But where are you? What? I want you. I want your heart. I want to know you. I want you to know me. Come on. Come into the secret place. I'm inviting you. Come get to know me. Wait on me. Pay the price of time in my presence and you get to be with him so what's Jesus doing now this Jesus is coming back Jesus is busy ruling and reigning and sitting with his feet on a footstool, waiting for you to make his enemies be dealt with. Because he just didn't leave you. He offered you the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again, your spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit. You become a new person, a new creation. We know that, don't we? Where is it? Where is it? Because the world needs to see it. It's not enough to say, I'm a new creation, that's fantastic. 
if the world can't see it? There must be some doubt about whether you are. The world needs to see it. The world needs to see this new creation. But Jesus is expecting us to hear his voice, do what he asks us to do, and see his kingdom come on the earth. And we say, well, you know, Lord, send a revival. We are the revival. We just have not got that relationship with Jesus where our hearts are on fire in that way. Jesus doesn't have anything more to do. He's ruling and reigning. All authority is in him and he's saying, therefore, you go. Whatever we face in this life, the kingdom is, more, is stronger and more powerful than that. And the king is Jesus and he rules the kingdom. So let's just wrap this up. This Jesus, the warrior king, the one who's coming back, the one who, with a single word, will wipe out all the opposition on earth. You know, the, it tells us in the word of God that this Jesus, who's inviting you to live your life with him, this Jesus all the armies and people of the world are going to gather to him, in front of him, in opposition when they see him coming back. The world, the world generally, is not going to welcome Jesus back. Can you imagine? You've seen all the pictures of warfare. Can you imagine not just that level of warfare, but every nuclear missile pointing at Jesus? Every tank, every bit of army, everybody, and all the rest of the peoples of the earth who don't believe in him, lined up behind them, going, we're going we're gonna to make sure we can just carry on like we are and live our lives the way we want to, and nobody's going to stop us. And Jesus is going to come. And with one word out of his mouth, they are gone. Hallelujah. That's it. That's how far above every principality and power and kingdom he is. The amazing thing is, he's interested in us. I find that crazy. Some people think, well, he should be interested in me because I'm wonderful. I just find it crazy that we'd be interested in any of us. Because if you've got that level of power, how can you be bothered? Well, I'll tell you this. He can be bothered enough to be nailed to a cross for you and give his life for you. That's how much he can be bothered. This is what Jesus promised us while we're waiting for him to come back. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, 
What do you do in response to that is what Jesus is saying. If all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of the nations, telling them to observe all I've commanded you. And this is what he says. And behold, I will always be with you to the end of the age. He's asking something of us, and then he's promising he's going to do it through us. And we're going, well, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, life's busy. Life's... No, no, no. Our priorities in life have made us busy. Jesus hasn't changed. There's still 24 hours in a day. You want to know how you can spend more time with Jesus? Stop being the average person who checks their mobile phone 101 times a day. Because that's what it's got to. Stop being that person. And just give that time to Jesus. That would be a good start. Your life will be as busy as you allow it to be. So I've got two final statements. The world that does not turn to Jesus is not going to get better. It's going to carry on being this muddy mess of people who think everybody's perspective is equally valid. That doesn't get along very well with Jesus. And yet it's become the mantra today, hasn't it? What gets along well with Jesus is, Jesus, I want to know your perspective, so I'm going to get in a secret place so you can tell me your perspective. And then when you've told me your perspective, I'm expecting you to fill me with the power of your spirit so that your perspective comes to pass. Loads of different ideas just doesn't cut it with Jesus. So if you signed up to one of those different ideas, you need to move. Ultimately, Jesus alone will rule. No shared rule. No party politics. Yay! No party corruption. No political polarization. No pressure groups. No minorities. Just Jesus. That's who Jesus is. Just Jesus. It'll be him. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, for all of us who think, like, I've had it with this world. I've had it with this life. I'm sick of all this stuff that goes on. There's just going to be Jesus. How cool is that? Well, I want to get ready. I don't want to hang around till he turns up and say, I didn't do anything, Jesus. I want to get ready. I want to, I want to be there. I'm kind of hoping he knows my name. I know he knows my name, but I'm kind of hoping he knows my name because I spent time with him. I don't want to be one of those that he turns up to and goes, not a issue, I don't think I ever knew you. I don't want to be that person. How tragic would that be? And I'll be there going, well, well, Jesus, I, I, I followed you. I, I was a Christian. I know I didn't give you any of my time and I know I was really busy, but I intended that when I got to 65 and it all chilled out, that I get to you. 
And he's going to go, I'm sorry, it's, you're 64, I never knew you. It's serious stuff, this. Two years ago, this world changed and things got serious. And we think, well, we're coming out of COVID and we're doing, going to do that. And then we go into a war. And then we go into economic problems. And then we go into this inflation thing. And then we go, and then we go, and then we go. It got serious. It's not that nothing like that has happened before. It's just not happened altogether right across planet Earth. So let's finish with this. Today, right now, right here, and right across the world and throughout all the universe, Jesus reigns in glory. He reigns over man and beast. He reigns over male and female. He's not confused. He reigns over young and old. He reigns over rich and poor. He reigns over black and white. You see, if we would talk about Jesus a whole lot more, a lot of the divisions we put in in those things and a lot of the confusions would go away. Because we'd have our eyes on Jesus instead of us. And Jesus would start to write the things. So he reigns over rich and poor, black and white, simple and wise, powerful and powerless. Angels and demons. Jesus reigns over every religion, every political power, every nation, every philosophy, every spirituality. Every deed, every pound, every dollar, every minute of every second and every second of every day. And Jesus reigns. And he's coming back. And he's alive. Yeah. And he's coming back as warrior to put it all right. Yeah. And the time is running short. So let's give him praise. Let's stand. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Let's just start to praise him. Praise him in your own words. Praise him if you've got spiritual voice. Use your tongues, just let's praise him. Father, we thank you, we praise you. Remember, you can't praise with the closed mouth. It, it, the sound needs to come out of it. Father, we thank you, thank you, praise you, glorify you, we glorify you, we glorify you, we glorify you. You can praise him with your bodies, you can clap, you can applaud, you can move. But Jesus, we want it to be you. We want to know you, warrior king, risen Lord, all-powerful one who reigns above all and in all and through all. We glorify you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give him thanks. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to you. Amen. Hallelujah. So, if you, uh, if you normally give your offerings online or through the bank, don't worry. If you want to give an offering this morning, there are offering baskets on the way out on the welcome table and on the other side. There's envelopes there. Um, feel free to, to give as the Lord moves on your heart. But this, this week, you see, it's really important that we... We don't forget 
the things we've heard and just move on to the next week. You, we, we need to have paid attention to what Joyce said. We need to pay attention to what Sarah said. We need to pay attention to what Bob said. We need to let it get in. Because these are the things that change us. These are the things that show us how to know the one who is coming for us. So I just ask that after you've had your coffee or your chat or whatever, you go home and you mull it over. Talk about it in the car. That's a good one. It's better than coming to church in the car when you're having a bit of a do about like what went wrong on with breakfast and all the rest of it and you weren't ready in time. Going home in the car is different. So talk about it. Share it. Say, what am I going to do with that? How do I measure where I am with that? Where would I like to be with that? And then ask God. Ask Jesus what he wants to do with it. Amen? Amen. Amen.